chapter eighteen of the love affairs of pixie by mrs george dehorn vesey this librivox recording is in the public domain i will be true stephen glynn's dreaded interview with his nephew was a typical example of the unexpectedness of events for instead of the indignant opposition which he had feared his proposition was listened to in silence and accepted with an alacrity which was almost more disconcerting than revolt in truth stanor saw in the proposal an escape from what had proved a disappointing and humiliating position his pride had been hurt by the attitude of pixie's relatives and he could not imagine himself visiting at their houses with any degree of enjoyment a dragging engagement in england would therefore be a trying experience to all concerned and it seemed a very good way out of the difficulty to pass the time of waiting abroad from his own point of view moreover he was relieved not to begin his business life in london where so far he had been free to pursue his pleasures only to be cooped up in a dull city office while but a mile or two away his friends were taking part in the social functions of the season would be an exasperating experience whereas in new york he would be troubled by no such comparisons but would find much to enjoy in the novelty of his surroundings two years would soon pass and at the end he would come home to an assured position marry pixie and live happily ever after he sat gazing thoughtfully into space the fingers of his right hand slowly stroking his chin a picture of handsome young manhood while the deep blue eyes of stephen glynn watched him intently from across the room a long minute of silence then the two pairs of eyes met and stanor found himself flushing with a discomfort as acute as mysterious he straightened himself and put a hasty question what does pixie say miss o'shaughnessy was stephen hesitated over the word she seemed to think that my wishes should have weight she will consent to anything that seems for your good she said that two years would quickly pass stanor frowned the thought had passed through his own brain but no man could approve of such sentiments on the part of a fiancée there was an edge of irritation in his voice of course your wishes should be considered i don't need any one to teach me that i am quite willing to go to america and do my best i shall be glad of the change but it's nonsense to talk of not being bound we are bound we need not correspond regularly if you make a point of that i don't think much of letters in any case writing once a week or once in two or three months can make no difference there's only one thing that counts stephen assented gravely just so from what i have seen of miss o'shaughnessy i realize that her only hope of happiness is to marry a man who can give her a whole-hearted love danor's glance held a mingling of surprise and displeasure surprise that the runkle should offer any opinion at all on matters sentimental displeasure that any one should dictate to him concerning pixie's welfare he switched the conversation back to more practical matters 
when shall i start the sooner the better if the post is open there is no object in wasting time his face lit up with sudden animation i say could we manage it in a fortnight should you think miss ward is sailing by the louisiana and it would be topping if i could go by the same boat i might wire to-day about a berth who is miss ward on a ward an american awfully jolly no end of an heiress i've met her a good deal this year and she was staying at the hilliers at the time of the accident awfully fond of pixie and a real good sort he laughed shortly <laughs> we ought to go out together for we are mentally in the same boat she had intended to stay over the summer but her romance has gone wrong too indeed stephen was not interested in miss ward's romance but he made no objection to the sending of a wire to the liverpool office of the steamship company and before evening the berth was secured and stanner's departure definitely dated i'll spend the rest of the time with pixie was stanner's first determination but each hour that passed brought with it a recollection of some new duty which must needs be performed one cannot leave one's native land even for a couple of years without a goodly amount of preparation and leave-taking and the time allotted to pixie dwindled down to a few hasty visits of a few hours duration when the lovers sat together in the peacock walk and talked and built castles in the air and laughed and sighed and occasionally indulged in a little mild sparring as very youthful lovers are apt to do i must say you are uncommonly complacent about my going a fellow hardly expects the girl he's engaged to to be in such uproarious spirits just on the eve of their separation stanor would grumble suddenly at the end of one of his fiancée's mirthful sallies whereupon pixie her vanity hurt by his want of appreciation would snap out a quick retort if i'm sad you want me to be glad and if i'm glad you're annoyed that i'm not sad there's no pleasing you you ought to be thankful that i'm so strong and self-controlled would it make it easier if i were hanging round your neck in hysterics oh bar hysterics but a tear or two now and then suppose it was bridgie who was going instead of me would you be as strong and self-controlled if bridgie were going i'd i'd jump in the midst of her passionate declaration pixie drew herself up shot a frightened glance and concluded lamely i'd be very much distressed that's not what you were going to say you were going to say that you'd jump into the water and swim after her or some such nonsense you can be perfectly cool and calm about my going but when it comes to bridgie if it'll please you better i'll begin to howl this minute i don't often but when i do it seems as if i could never stop i thought pixie added reproachfully when a girl was engaged the man thought her perfect in everything she did and she sat listening while he sang her praises from morn to night but you find fault i don't call it finding fault to wish you would show more feeling it's the best sort of compliment if you could only see it i like my compliments undiluted not wrapped up in reproaches like powder in jam besides 
you're fairly complacent yourself i heard you telling geoffrey that you expected to have a real good time and suppose i did what about that would you prefer me to be lonely and miserable oh dear cried pixie poignantly we're quarrelling whose fault was it was it mine i'm sorry stanor don't let's quarrel i want you to be happy could i love you if i didn't do that i want it more than anything else honor is coming to-morrow and i shall ask her to look after you for me she knows so many people and is so rich that she has the power to help she will be glad to have you so near why is she going home so soon stanor i thought so did we all but it's fallen through somehow i met carr in town looking the picture of woe but naturally he didn't vouchsafe any explanation honor will probably unburden herself to you to-morrow she will if she doesn't i shall ask her said pixie calmly i'm crossed in love myself so i can understand it's no use trying to sympathize till you've had a taste of the trouble yourself has it ever occurred to you to notice the mad ways most people set about sympathizing sticking needles all over you while they're trying to be kind sympathizing is an art you know and you have to adapt it to each person some like a little and some like a lot and some like cheering up and others want you to cry with them and make the worst of everything and then it's off their minds and they perk up bridgie and i used to think sometimes of hiring ourselves out as professional sympathizers for there seems such a lack of people who can do it properly suppose you give me a demonstration now you haven't been too generous in that respect pixie pixie looked at him her head on one side her eyes very intent and serious you don't need it she said simply and stanor looked hurt and discomfited and cast about in his mind for a convincing retort which should prove beyond doubt the pathos of his position failed to find it and acknowledged unwillingly to himself that as a matter of fact he was very well satisfied with the way in which things were going pixie was right she usually was right it might perhaps be more agreeable if on occasion she could be judiciously blind he adopted the pained and dignified air which experience had taught him was the surest method of softening pixie's heart and in less than a minute she was hanging on his arm and contradicting all her former statements stanor was very much in love as he travelled back to town that day and the two years of waiting seemed unbearably long perhaps if he got on unusually well the runkle might be induced to shorten the probation he would sound him at the end of the first year the next day honor ward made a farewell visit to the hall and took lunch with the family in the panelled dining-room where she had joined in many merry gatherings a few weeks before pixie saw the brown eyes flash a quick glance at the place which had been allotted to robert carr but except for that glance there was no sign of anything unusual in either looks or manner honor was as neat as composed as assured in manner as in her happiest moments and the flow of her conversation was in no wise moderated 
her hurried departure was explained by a casual i guessed i'd better which mr and mrs hilliard accepted as sufficient reason for a girl who had no ties and more money than she knew how to use even pixie's lynx eyes failed to decry any sign of heartbreak but when the meal was over and the two girls retired upstairs for a private chat honor's jaunty manners fell from her like a cloak and she crouched in a corner of the sofa looking suddenly tired and worn for the moment however it was not of her own affairs that she elected to speak patricia she began suddenly turning her honey-coloured eyes on her friend's face with a penetrating gaze i guess this is about the last real talk you and i are going to get for a good long spell there's no time for fluttering round the point what i've got in my mind i'm going to say what in the land made you get engaged to stanor vaughan because he asked me of course replied pixie readily and the american girl gave a shrug of impatience if another man had asked you then it would have been just the same you would have accepted him for the same reason pixie's head reared proudly her eyes sent out a flash that's horrid and you meant it to be i shan't answer your questions if you're going to be rude i'm not rude patricia o'shaughnessy you're a real sweet girl and i want you should be as happy as you deserve which you certainly won't be if you don't take the trouble to understand your own heart what's all this nonsense about being bound and not bound and waiting for two years without writing he on one side of the ocean and you on another i can understand an old uncle proposing it it's just the sort of scheme an old uncle would propose but it won't work out patricia you take my word for that thank you my dear i prefer to take my own and he's not old he has the most beautiful eyes you ever beheld what do you suppose stanor would say if he knew you were talking to me like this i'm not saying a word against stanor who could say a word against such an elegant creature he's been a good friend to me and he's going to make a first-rate man when he gets to work and has something to think about besides his beautiful self a miracle knocked the nonsense out of him at the end of two years it will be another man who comes home a man instead of a boy just as you will probably be a woman instead of a girl it's the most critical time in life when that change has taken place and you better believe i know what i'm talking about if i were in your place i'd move mountains patricia if mountains had to be moved but i'd make sure that the man i loved didn't go through it apart from me but if the mountain happened to be an uncle and the uncle had done everything and was willing to go on doing everything and was older and wiser and knew better than you oh dearie me concluded pixie impatiently everybody seems against me i'm lectured and thwarted on every side i've not been brought up to it and it's most depressing and it's not a bit of good either it's my own life and i shall do as i like and what about yourself me dear you are very brave about lecturing me suppose i take a turn 
why are you going back to america and leaving robert carr behind what have you been doing to him well i asked him to marry me and he refused pixie sat stunned with surprise and consternation honor's voice had been flat and level as usual not a break or quiver had broken its flow but there was a pallor round the lips a sudden sharpening of the features which spoke eloquently enough and smote the hearer to the heart oh me dear forgive me she cried deeply i'm ashamed don't say any more i'd no right to ask i meant to tell you i'd have told you in any case you guessed how it was when we were here you can't be in love like that and not show it thought of him all day i dreamt of him all night when he was out of the room i was wretched when he came in i knew it by instinct before i could see him i knew it in a crowded room i could hear every word he said see every movement when i was sitting alone and heard his voice in the distance my heart leapt it made me quite faint i loved him pixie pixie sat staring with startled gaze she did not speak and for a moment it seemed that her thoughts had wandered from the story on hand for her eyes had an inward look as though she were puzzling out a problem which concerned herself alone she started slightly as honor again began to speak and straightened herself with a quick air of attention sometimes i thought he loved me too but he was not the sort of man who was choose to marry an heiress my money stood between us so i i tried to make it easier by showing him how i felt when we went back to london he said good-bye and refused my invitations but i met him by accident and she straightened herself with a gesture of pride i'm not ashamed of what i did it would have been folly to sacrifice happiness for the sake of a convention i asked him and he cared honor said softly i had my hour pixie but it was only an hour for at the end we got to business and that wrecked it all i've told you about my factory over here in england when people have looked at me through monocles and there have been times when i've been ashamed of pickles but at home i'm proud father started as a working lad and built up that great business brick by brick three thousand hands are employed in the factory but they were never hands to him patricia they were souls he'd been a working man himself and there was not one thing in their lives he didn't know and understand one of the first things i can remember right away back in my childhood is being taken to a window to see those men stream past and being told they were my friends and that i was to take care of them he had no airs my papa he never gave himself frills or pretended to be anything different from what he was there was only one thing he was proud of and that was that his men were the happiest and most contented in the states when he died he left me more than his money he left me his men honor paused her eyes bright with suppressed feeling and pixie keen as ever to appreciate an emotional situation drew a fluttering breath 
yes yes how beautiful how fine all those lives honour aren't you proud i've told you before my dear the best part of me is proud and glad but we're pretty complex creatures and i guess a big duty is bound to come up against a pleasure now and then at the moment i was speaking of it was one man against three thousand and the one man weighed down the scale but but i don't understand pixie puckered her brows in bewilderment why couldn't you have both well, i thought i could patricia i calculated as my work was full-fledged and his had hardly begun that he would be willing to come over with me it's a pretty stiff proposition for a woman to run a big show like that and i'd have been glad of help he allowed i'd have to sell up and keep house for him in england and make a splash among the bigwigs to help him in his career he put it as politely as he knew how but he made me understand that it was beneath his dignity to live in america and work in pickles and he guessed if i sold out i could find a buyer who would look after the men as well or better than i did myself so she waved her small white hands there we were he wouldn't and i couldn't that's the truth patricia i could not i don't dispute that another person might not manage as well as i that's not the question it's my work it's my responsibility those men were left to me and i can't desert so the dream's over my dear and i'm going back to real hard life pixie nodded big tears standing in her eyes i should have done the same he didn't love you enough honor gave a quivering laugh <laughs> he said the same of me couldn't seem to see any difference between the two give-ups but there is a difference patricia well my dear that's the end of it we said good-bye and there's no reason why we should meet again our lives lie in different places and it's no use trying to join them honor dear are you very unhappy honor's neat little features puckered in a grimace i wouldn't go so far as to say i feel exactly gay patricia but don't you worry about me i'll come up smiling you wouldn't have me pine for the sake of a man who wouldn't have me when he got the chance i guess honor p ward has too much grit for that pixie nodded slowly but you mustn't be too hard on him honor it's natural to want to live in one's own country and he loves his work just as you do yours he'll be a judge some day chins like that always do succeed and ambition means so much to a man you might have been pleased for your own sake but would you have thought more of him as a man if he'd thrown it all up and lived on your pickles honor brought her eyebrows together in a frown now pixie o'shaughnessy don't you go taking his part i guess i've got about as much sense of justice as most and in a few months time i'll see the matter in its right light but for the moment i'm injured and i choose to feel injured and i expect my friends to feel injured too i've offered myself to an englishman and he's refused to have me there's no getting away from that fact and it's not a soothing experience for a free-born american i'm through with englishmen from this time forth except stanor be kind to stanor 
he's always liked you honour and he knows no one in america promise me to be kind to stanor and see him as often as you can honour's brown eyes searched pixie's face with a curious glance then rising from her chair she crossed the room and kissed her warmly upon the cheek yes i'll look after him i'll do anything you want and nothing you don't want you can trust me my dear remember that won't you you're a real sweet thing patricia pixie laughed with characteristic complacence yes but why especially at this moment i always am aren't i and how superfluous me dear to talk of trust what have i got to trust a fortnight later geoffrey and joan hilliard stephen glynn and pixie journeyed to liverpool to see the last of the travellers the little party stood together on the deck of the great vessel surrounded on every side by surge and bustle but silent themselves with the silence which falls when the heart is full travelling down to liverpool they had been quite a merry party and there had been no effort in keeping the conversation afloat but the last moments sealed their lips honour drew a few yards apart with the elderly kindly-faced maid who was her faithful attendant stephen glynn and the hilliard strolled away in an opposite direction pixie and her lover stood alone well little girl this is good-bye don't forget me darling pixie gulped take care of yourself stanor be happy i want you to be happy i shall be wretched said stanor hotly i'm leaving you oh pixie he broke off suddenly as the last bell sounded its warning note and bent to kiss her lips good-bye my little love the tears poured down pixie's face as she turned aside and geoffrey hilliard led her tenderly down the gangway on to the landing-stage where they stood together tightly jammed in the crowd which watched the great steamer slowly move into the stream stanor and honor were standing together leaning over the towering hull their faces were pale but they were smiling bravely and pixie wiped away her own tears and waved an answering hand esmeralda was holding her hand in a tender pressure geoffrey on one side and stephen glynn on the other were regarding her with anxious solicitude she smiled back with tremulous gratitude and gripped esmeralda's hand though stanor was going there was still much left so many people to care and be kind the great vessel quivered and moved slowly forward honor drew a little white handkerchief from her bag and waved it in the air on all sides the action was repeated accompanied by cries of farewell mingled with sounds of distress pixie caught the sound of a sob and craned forward to look in the face of a girl about her own age who stood on the other side of stephen glynn she wore a small close-fitting cap which left her face fully exposed as it strained towards that moving deck and on the small white features was printed a very extremity of anguish she was not crying her glazed eyes showed no trace of tears she seemed unconscious of the deep sobs which issued from her lips every nerve every power was concentrated in the one effort to behold to the last possible moment one beloved face 
instinctively pixie's eyes followed those of the girls and beheld a man's face gazing back haggard a quiver almost contorted with suffering the story was plain to read they also were lovers this man and this girl they also were facing years of separation and the moment of parting held for them the bitterness of death pixie o'shaughnessy glanced from one to the other and then thoughtfully deliberately along the deck to the spot where stood her own lover handsome stanor bending his head to overhear a remark from honor stroking his blonde moustache he looked dejected depressed but compared with the depth of emotion on the other man's face such meagre expressions faded into nothingness the moment during which she gazed at his face held for pixie the significance of years then once more her eyes returned to the girl by her side with every minute now the great vessel was slipping farther and farther from the stage the faces of her passengers would soon cease to be distinguishable in a few minutes they would be lost to sight yet pixie's gaze remained riveted on the girl by her side and on her own face was printed a mute dismay which one onlooker at least was quick to read she understands stephen glenn said to himself that girl's face has been an object lesson stronger than any words she understands the difference a moment later he met pixie's eyes and realized afresh the truth of his diagnosis but she drew herself up with a sort of defiance and turned sharply aside in the train returning to town pixie sat mute and pallid and and was waited upon assiduously by her sister and brother to them it seemed natural enough that the poor child should collapse after the strain of parting only one person understood the deepest reason of her distress he offered none of the conventional words of sympathy and forbore to echo esmeralda's rosy pictures of the future it brought another pang to pixie's sore heart to realize that he understood but i will be true she repeated to herself with insistent energy i will be true i have given my word she felt very tired and spent as she lay back in the corner of her cushioned seat on her heart and brain was an unaccustomed weight her very limbs felt heavy and inert as if the motive power had failed virtue had gone out of her at the sight of that anguished face the years of pixie's untroubled girlhood had come to an end henceforth she was a woman carrying her own burden but i will be true she repeated gallantly i will be true end of chapter eighteen